0: Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're gonna hear some practical teaching from God's word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How are you today? It is so good to be here with you. Welcome to our Franklin campus, our Garfield Park campus, our Banta campus and everyone here at the Greenwood campus and also everyone online watching, we welcome you. We are actually wrapping up a series today called Numbered. We started it last week, short little series and it really, it was an honor to be able to talk with Chase and Sadie Smith last week. How many of you guys enjoyed that conversation last week? Absolutely wonderful. If you're watching right now, Chase and Sadie, thank you for being with us and blessing us. If you missed that, I want to encourage you to go back on our YouTube channel and check that out. You will be thoroughly blessed by it. Uh, Chase and Sadie Smith has, was so inspiring, has been so inspiring that almost every media outlet has picked up their story. ABC News, NBC, The Indy Star—it's been all over. Inside Edition, because their story of struggle and love has just been phenomenal. And uh, this week, after they left me, the, after they left us last week, they actually went to go see a friend of theirs, Tim Tebow. I don't know if anybody knows Tim Tebow, you know, little guy, uh, played in the NFL a little bit, Heisman Trophy winner. Here's, their, here's some of the photos that they put out on social media. There's Jason Sadie with Tim and just kind of hanging out, you know, bros with Tim. They didn't, they didn't, he didn't ask me to come with him. That's, it's okay, Chase. No, I'm not offended at all. You, know, you needed to have your time with Tim. I totally understand. A couple other photos we have of them together. Just Tim was praying over them, and you know, if you saw what he put out on social media, he just said, hey, pray for these guys, pray for Chase, pray for God's blessing, God's healing in their life and in his body, and so thousands of people are praying for Chase and Sadie. I want to encourage you to do the same, that God would be merciful and, gra- and gracious, and even if it's his will to perform a, a total miracle in Chase's life, and so Chase, we're praying for you towards that end and so I want to continue our conversation that we started last week about life and the shortness of life you know I really don't believe that most of us how can I say it that most of us believe that life is short I think that most of us actually believe that we have all the time in the world. I really do, I really do, I believe that. That we think that the future for us is just gonna go on decade after decade after decade. And I think that the reason I believe it is because I watch how people spend their time. We squander a lot of our time. Have you noticed how much time you waste and you squander? I did a little research this week and says the average woman contemplates what she's gonna wear for 17 minutes a day. True. True. You can look it up. Google it. Google it. Now, 17 minutes a day is a long time to figure out what you're going to wear, ladies. I understand this is a big issue. But that's a lot of time. You add that up. You add that up over a year. That's four days. That's four days of thinking about what you're going to wear. Ladies, I'm not getting on you. I'm not getting on you. Those are just the facts. That's just the data. Men, we're not, too, we're not too much better. Men, it's like 13, 14 minutes, okay? So guys, we can do better than that. Come on, jeans and a t-shirt, it works every time. You don't even have to think about it. In fact, this morning, because I was thinking about the data, I was thinking about it like, it ain't gonna be me. Blue shirt, blue jeans, brown shoes, done, 30 seconds. I'm on to something more important. Now, I mean, but we, we do, we do, we waste time 37 minutes a day on Facebook. 37 minutes, 40 minutes a day on YouTube. I don't even know the numbers about Instagram or Snapchat. I didn't check. But man, we are, away. We're, just, we're just wasting time on social media. I mean, we think we're going to live forever. How else do I know that we're, we think we're going to live forever and, and just, we just have the futures guaranteed for us? We put stuff off. We, we are such procrastinators. I mean, right now, you could probably make a list of four or five things that you should have already done you haven't done yet. Yes or no? Yes or no? You know that relationship that you know this kind of on the you know you haven't fixed yet? I'll just do that later. You know that project you're supposed to have finished in your house? (laughs) A couple of those. Yeah, we'll just do that some other time. We just we just think we'll have next week, next month, next year. So we'll just do it. Say it with me, we'll do it later. You know, it's like we think this is how we know that we think we 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 just we don't believe that life is short. We take people for granted. We just kind of walk, especially the people closest to us, you know, the ones that we supposedly you know, love the most, we take them for granted. We, a lot of us live unfocused, undisciplined, nonspecific, general lives because we just believe what we have all the time in the world. But what if, what if, what if it's not true? What if the truth is that your life is short? You know when you pick up this book, and I and I read it every day, and I encourage you to read it every day too. And I just I don't just read it; I try to, I try to assimilate it into my mind and the way I think about life. And that's what you're supposed to do by memorizing and meditating on the scripture. When you read this book, here's what this book says about life. This is from King David, Psalm 39. We looked at this briefly last week. This is a prayer, Lord. Remind me, excuse me. Remind me how brief my time. On earth will be remind me that my days are I say it with me they're numbered I don't have all I don't have endless numbers of days there's only a certain amount that I have and my how fleeting my life is you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand everybody do this real quick can you play along with the preacher real quick and just put your hand out I know some of you are too cool for school I know I know just but just do this quick just put your hand out there look at it Now, I've got some big hands. Now, they might not look big on stage, but I could palm a basketball. My hands are pretty big. But not that big. That's not that long. This way or that way. And neither are yours. Your life, here's the message. Your life is not that long. David continues. Listen to what he says. My entire life is just a, say it with me, a moment. We've already had several moments today. You've already had several moments today. At best, each of us is but a breath. Do this with me real quick. Can you play along all of our campuses? One more time. Take a breath. That's your life. It's here and it's gone. That's the message of the scripture. King David said in another Psalm, Psalm 103, verse 15, our days on earth are like grass. Now here in central Indiana, we've been watching our grass die, haven't we? Because we haven't had any rain. I mean, yesterday we did, but my front lawn is dying. It was was doing great, and now it's turning brown. We bloom like wildflowers. We bloom, and then we die. The other day, my wife brought these flowers home from, from a friend's backyard. They're so pretty. Aren't they? Look, I don't even know what these are called. I don't even know what that one is. So pretty. Different colors. How long is this going to last? Not very long. Your life is like wildflowers. They bloom, and oh, they're so pretty, and let's make a bouquet, and then they die. James, the brother of Jesus, put it like this. James chapter 4. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Because they were talking about, we're going to do this next month, and this next year, and this. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. Right here in Indiana, we get these fogs. I'm sure they get them everywhere, but we get these morning fogs sometimes. And all of a sudden, the sun rises and burns away the fog. It's here in a moment, and it's gone. The message of this book is so clear. Life is short. Now, This seems to be to some a negative message, but I assure you it is not a discouraging negative message. We don't like to think about death or how short life is, and so it's kind of discouraging. Can we talk about something else? Hang with me just for a moment. This This is actually a positive message that life is short. It's supposed to invigorate us. It's supposed to energize us. Here's why. Because life is precious. Every single life matters. Like it's so meaningful, this life. But it's also short. Recently, uh, on Father's Day, my family likes to watch movies. And so uh, we got together and uh, we watched a movie that my children had not seen. Um, it was called The Dead Poets Society. Anybody see that? It was like late 80s it came out. Robin Williams was, uh, was the star of the show. And he plays this. Uh, English teacher, this poetry teacher at this private all-boys school and he's the new kid on the block and his teaching uh, strategies are a little bit unorthodox and so... The first day of class, he takes his boys out of the classroom and a bunch of high school kids, and he brings them into this foyer area in the school where there's all these photos of all these former athletes and former academics and black and white photos and trophies and all that stuff, and he brings them on over, and he has one of the boys read a line out of poetry, and, and, uh, what, what, and he asks one of the boys, what does that line mean? And, and someone says, carpe deal." And so he says, well, what does carpe diem mean? And one of the boys says, seize the day. And then he calls all the boys over. Do you remember this scene? Anybody? It's right in the beginning of the movie. He calls the boys over and he, and he huddles them around. And he says, guys, look at all the photos on the wall of all these young men who have, who have lived their lives and accomplished wonderful things. And, ha- and have done, you know, won awards and games and won championships. And, and look at them. Look at their faces. And then he says this to them. They're food for worms. You remember that? Boys, look, food for worms. They have lived their life and their life is over. And I want you to lean in close and I want you to hear what they have to say. I want you to hear what their legacy is. I want you to hear what, you ha- what they have to say to you. And, and so he gets all the boys down nice and low and he says, listen, listen to what they have to say. And he says, garbage. What a scene, and the, the, the boys, they get the message. Life is short, make it extraordinary, make it beautiful. But What I have found, as I observe, I'm an observer of human beings, I like to observe my own life and those around me, and not in a judgmental way, just in a kind of a, kind of a student kind of way, is most people are not seizing the day. Most people are wasting, away their time. Seneca, I like to read old dead people. This guy's really old and he's really dead. Seneca, he lived about 2,000 years ago, stoic philosopher. He just wrote about life and um, this is what he said about time. People are frugal in guarding their property, their stuff, their possessions. Very, very protective. Get stolen, they call the police. But as soon as it comes to squandering their time, they are most wasteful of the one thing in which it is right to be stingy. What does this mean? Think with me for a second. When it comes, to, he's saying, when it comes to our stuff, we're, we're, we're overprotective. We're, we're very, very worried about the, our, our things. But when it comes to our time, we we're okay with wasting it. Why? Why is this such a. What's the tension here? Well, you can replace stuff. You lose your iPhone, insurance, you can replace it. Even if you don't have insurance, you can replace it. Over time, you can replace things, cars, shoes. You can replace stuff, things, tools, fun, objects, whatever it is, you can replace it. But when it comes to time, once time is gone, you can never replace it. It's the one thing we have the right to be stingy over because once it leaves us, we'll never get it back. How do, we fall? how do we make sure we don't fall prey to this trap, wasting and squandering and procrastinating and not living out our potential? In your notes, the shortness of life must instruct your life. It has to, this idea of, of life being brief, life being short, life being like the fog or, or wildflowers or the grass or the width of your hand, the idea has to go move from being an idea to something that is instructing how I live today. And that's how we avoid this trap of wasting our lives. I've already quoted to you what King David said in Psalm 39 and Psalm 103, and what James said in James chapter four. Let me let's look at what Moses wrote. Moses wrote one of the Psalms, Psalm chapter 90. Listen to what he says. He says, "Lord, teach us to number." There it is again. Teach us to number our days. Why do we have to be taught? Why do we have to be reminded? Because the shortness of life is not intuitive. We have to constantly be reminded and taught that that we only have so many days on this planet. So Lord, teach it to us so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The title of this talk is Gaining Wisdom. Here's what Moses is saying. He's saying that there is a wisdom that comes from understanding and embracing this truth that life is short, it's a fog, it's like the width of your hand, it's like the wildflowers in the field, it's like the grass, it's like a mist, it's here today and gone tomorrow. There is wisdom that comes from that in the where? In the heart. Now what is the heart? The heart is that non-physical part of you that departs your body upon death. Okay, that's your, some people call it your spirit, some people call it the soul. There's different parts to the spirit or different parts to the heart. There is your mind, there is your emotions, desires and appetites and feelings, they all kind of go into one category, and then there is your will. Now your will is that place where you choose. You choose to go to the gym or you choose to eat a Twinkie, right? You choose to spend time on Facebook or you choose to spend time with your daughter, These are choices, right? And and the, the will makes those choices. Well, how does the will function? The will functions off of what you're thinking and what you're feeling. In other words, the will cannot do anything without the influence of the mind and the feelings. That is your spirit. That is your heart. Upon death, that leaves your body. Now, you can have a foolish heart. Or you can have a heart full of wisdom. One makes very poor choices. One makes very... Wise choices. Now, what is wisdom? A lot of people get confused about what wisdom is. A lot of people think that wisdom is actually the same as intelligence or IQ or being smart. Now, let me just say this really quick. You can be very smart and very wise, but you can also be very smart and not so wise. Does anybody know anyone who is super smart but lacks common sense? Anybody? Anybody? Do you live with somebody like this? You say to, this, to these, these folks, you're like, how did you make that decision? You're so smart. Your SAT scores are through the roof. Why did you get into that relationship? <laughs> because these two things are not necessarily the same. They're actually sometimes very different. You can be very smart and lack common sense. Now, you can also be very smart and have common sense. And you can also have a lot of common sense and have maybe less than average intelligence. What is wisdom then? Wisdom then is the application of knowledge. It's taking what you know and actually applying it to your life. It's knowing how something works. It's knowledge of how, let's just say, personal finance. And because you understand the seven steps from Dave Ramsey (laughs) and you've applied them to your life and you're now financially independent and you're now financially free and your investments are growing, that's wisdom. You know about how personal finance works and then you apply it to your life. Or someone else who understands how marriage works. They understand that in order to have a great marriage, you need to serve your spouse. You need to put selfishness away. You need to listen and empathize. You need to know their love language and speak it consistently, right? These are are not very difficult ideas. They're hard to apply, though. The wise person understands how marriage works, applies it to their relationship with their spouse, and now they have what? A great marriage. This is wisdom. We call these people when we're in trouble, these are the folks that we get on the phone. Can you please call so-and-so? Our marriage is a mess. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So what is Moses saying here? Teach us the number our days that it might gain a heart of wisdom. He said, if we could understand that our days are numbered, not as an idea out there, as some philosophy, but as a, a very real, as a, as a reality in our life, that idea would instruct us to live with wisdom. Wisdom about what? Life. Let me share with you four Pieces of wisdom that come from this truth that life is short. The first one, number one in your notes, you see each day as a gift. When you understand that life is short and it's brief, every single day becomes extremely valuable. Why? Because you're not guaranteed any more days in the future. This could be your last day on earth. Listen to what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 118 verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice in it and be glad in it. Not the days to come. Oh, 20 years from now, 10 years from now, two months from now. No, no, no. Today is the only day that we have right now. We don't know if we have any more days in the future. So we're gonna rejoice and be glad in today. Could you imagine the gratitude that would rise up in your heart if you understood that every single day was a gift to you? What do we do with gifts, especially ones that we cherish? We value them. We're grateful for them. I remember years ago when my wife was a fourth grade teacher. Um, For two years she spent time teaching fourth grade students and and during that time period I I was in charge of the morning routine. And so she had to leave at some obscene early hour to get to her classroom. And so I had to get my, my kids up. I had to get them showered, not showered, but clean enough to go to school. <laughs> um, I had to get them fed, make sure that they had their backpacks filled and get them on the bus. And that was, so I was in charge of the morning routine. Now, being a camp counselor for two summers when I was 18, 19 years old, you know, I had to run a tight ship. Okay, so you have 12 kids in a cabin all summer long. You know, it's hard to get kids to do so. I, I learned to be a drill sergeant. You know, we had cabin cleanup. We had to make your beds. We had to get a breakfast in time. Like, we won awards, okay, folks? (laughs) I I was a pretty psycho camp counselor. Anyway, so I'm like that's going to work with my kids too. So we did that. It was like, you know, get up. You know, if you didn't get up, you got some sort of, you know, punishment for that. And if you didn't get downstairs in time, you got some sort of punishment for that. And it was boom, 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 boom. And we got those kids on the bus. They were fed. They were dressed. They were so, so but many times my, my biggest goal was to make sure that we had a window of about five minutes so that I could sit down and show them some some personal development, self-motivation talk by Zig Ziglar or Les Brown or somebody like that. Anybody fans, fans, fans. Okay, anybody, anybody know it? Okay, check them out. They're really motivating. And so I'd sit my kids down who were 12, 13 years old, whatever age they were, and, and we would have personal development time. And one of the things that was said during those times, and I'll never forget it, and it, I would make them say it back to me. It's very simple. Is before they got on the bus, and they can quote it to you now if you ask them. They would say, you know, yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not certain. Today's the only day you got. So make it the best one. It's kind of a hybrid of something that Mother Teresa said, but I changed it. <laughs> Made it my own. And I would say that to them and I would make them say it back to me because I wanted them to understand that this is the day you don't know if you have any more so live well now make your life extraordinary now Jim Rome said this one of my personal development favorite favorite personal development people he said days are expensive when you spend a day you have one less to spend so make sure you spend it wisely the value of a day. Do you know the value of a day? You will if you understand that you only have so many of them. You'll stop procrastinating. You'll stop putting off. You'll stop taking people for granted. You'll stop squandering time if you understand the value of the day. Number two, we let the hurt go. We let the, number one, we understand that every day is a gift. Number two, we let, listen, all of us are going to get hurt in this life. Many of us hurt very deeply by someone in our life. Someone's going to cheat on us. Someone's going to steal from us. Someone's going to hurt someone we cherish and love with all of our heart. Psychological pain, emotional pain, some of us. Sexual pain, sexual abuse. I mean, the list goes on and on with all the ways that human beings hurt each other. You are going to get hurt in this life many, many times, and so am I. What are we going to do with that hurt? Are we going to hold on to it? Are we going to nurse it? Are we going to carry it around? I know people who do that, and they're miserable. Some of you are doing that right now. You walked in today with a grudge, with a grievance, unforgiveness in your heart, bitterness, and it's it's crushing you and it's killing you. I love what Mariana Williamson said: unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. When you hold on to that grudge, you're not hurting them; you're hurting yourself. And here's why we do it. We think that by holding on to the grudge, we're controlling the situation and we're controlling the person and we don't want to give up control. It's a lie when you hold on. You're not controlling anything when you hold on to that grudge, that grievance. It's a myth in your head. You're just making yourself miserable. You're killing yourself. And so you talk to people who understand that life is short. They've, they let this stuff go. It's like rolls off their back. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to spend one more day unhappy because of what she did to me or what he did to me or what they did to my brother or what my mom did to me or my dad. Or They were like, no way. I can't, life's too short for that. And so they just forgive. They just, you give out grace like it's endless. If I had Chase up here with me, Chase from last week, and I said, Chase, hey, bud, one more question for you. Uh, you know, you've, doctor said three to five months to live, you know, I know you've been hurt in the past by so and so, whoever. No one gets through this life without pain. Do you have any grudges in your heart? Are you holding resentment against anybody? What do you think Chase would say? He's probably watching right now. He could probably answer. What do you, what do you think he'd say? Come on, come on, come on. What do you think he'd say? Chase, you could talk to me. Come on. What do you think he'd say? He'd say, No way, man. Life's too short for that. I can't hold on to a grudge. This is the wisdom of understanding the brevity of life. You let go of the pain because all it's doing is making you miserable. Then number three, number three, what is the wisdom of understanding the brevity of life? You prioritize the most important things. Like you don't have time to do anything else, but the most important things, if you understand your days are numbered, you become laser focused on the most important priorities in your life. I love this question by Steve Jobs, listen to this. Remember Steve, he died, he founded Apple, iPhones. Remember him? No? Okay, all right. Steve Jobs said this, if today were the last day of your life, would you wanna do what you're about to do today? Wow, what a question, what a question. When you, what, what is he saying here? He says, when you understand that, that, that today could be the last day, and it very well could be your last day on earth. It could be my last day on earth. If that's true, which it could be true, are you going to keep doing what you, are you going to keep your to-do list? Are you going to stay in that job? Are you going to stay in that relationship? Now, I'm not talking to married people. you got to stay in the relationship and work it out. Don't quote me saying, oh, he said I can, you know, get a divorce. No, no, no. No, 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 single people, those of you dating, those of you engaged, sometimes the best divorce is the one that happens before the wedding. Hello, hello, anybody home? If today were the, if you had one week to live, if you had 30 days to live, if you had one, would you keep doing what you're doing? It's such a great question. And the answer would be, no, I don't have time. I got to switch up. I got to switch gears. I got to get out of this lame relationship. I got to get out of this lame job. I got to do the thing I love. I got to do the thing that I was put on this earth to do. That's the wisdom of knowing the shortness of life. You prioritize the most important things. When I had Chase up here last week, Chase and Sadie, and I asked him, I said, Chase, man, you got some bad news recently. You got brought to the doctor, said three to, month, three to five months, the cancer spread to your skull, the cancer spread to your you know, your, leg, your hip, it's in your back. Like, that's tough news. And then I asked him, if you remember, I asked him, I said, what has come clear to you since you got that prognosis? You remember what he said? If you, those of you who saw the interview? He said, man, I don't have any time to waste. And the very next thing he started talking about, you can go back and watch the, you can go back and watch the interview the very next thing he started talking about was his what? His relationships. My mom, my dad, my wife, my wife's parents, my friends. I just like, and then he said this direct quote. He said, I could have nothing left in the world but those relationships. Watch this. 19 years old, 19 years old. But be the happiest man in the world. I could lose all my stuff, my iPhones and this and my shoes and my, all, my, all my cool you know, things, possessions that I have are all meaningless. As long as I have my relationships, I could be the happiest man in this world. Then he said this, as long as I have those relationships, I'm gonna be smiling ear to ear. Chase, thank you for that. If you're watching right now. Yeah, thank you. When, when you understand that life is short, the most important things rise to the surface in your life, and you, pri- you prioritize those things. Number four, the wisdom of the shortness of life causes you to live with urgency. It's time to get going. <laughs> the time to act becomes now. Can you guys say that with me? The time to act becomes now. One more time, all of our campuses, the time to act becomes now. There's an urgency to this thing. It's like, well, if my days are numbered and I only have, you know, a couple of years, a couple of months, or whatever it is, I'm not even sure what it is, then I need to get my, you know what, moving, yes? I gotta stop procrastinating. I gotta, you know, heal that relationship. I've gotta get right with God. I've gotta start to pray and read the scriptures. I've gotta start that business. I've gotta write that book. I've gotta do the things that I need to do. I gotta stop procrastinating. We start to live with urgency. Seneca said this in his book. He said, it's only when you're breathing your last that the way you've spent your time will become apparent. What a great statement. Here's what he means. When a person is on their deathbed, listen to me, when they're, when they're dying and they're taking their last few breaths, that's when it becomes incredibly clear how they've spent their life. And there is research to back this. Like when you, when, you, when you do a little research on deathbed, you know, what, what happens when people are on the deathbed, what they, what they become super clear on is the, the regrets, the things that they didn't do, the risks that they didn't take. They're sad because they didn't do all the things that they wanted to do. You know what they're not talking about on their deathbed? How they wish they would have spent more hours at work. More out Oh, if I could have just spent more hours at the office, making more money, getting a bigger boat or a bigger house or a bigger, better, whatever. They didn't. They don't talk about that. They don't say things like, you know, on their deathbed, oh, I wish I would have spent more time on Facebook. Oh, man, I missed out so much. I wish I would have been on Instagram more, you know. I missed out I could have posted more. Oh, TikTok. Oh, I missed the whole boat on TikTok. I wish on my deathbed I would have spent more time on TikTok. You don't hear that. It's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad. Cause here we are scrolling, 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 selfies, (laughs) scrolling, 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 selfie, video, dance, (laughs) throw a bottle in the air. Oh, catch it, post it. Right? This is the life we live. And then we watch other people do it. If we don't do it, we watch them do it. Oh, check out this video. Nobody talks about that on their deathbed. You won't. I won't. So what Seneca says in his book, and it's so good, letters, letters, to, uh, letters from a stoic, it's worth picking up. If you feel like old dead guys. <laughs> what he says in the book is, is what, if, what if you can take this, this truth, because it's, tru- it's a truth, and what if you could apply it to your life now? And here's how he suggests to do that. Rehearse your death today. Rehearse your funeral today. Mentally go through it today. Rehearse your deathbed experience today. And when you do that mentally and emotionally, you have got to put your emotion into it. Like, okay, this is, today's my last day on earth. What happens is that the urgency comes up. If that's true, I, I can't squander it. I can't procrastinate. I have to take action. I have to do the things that God has put me on this planet to do. For Father's Day, this last Father's Day, I asked my wife for a ring. And uh, it's this ring right here. I also got some slippers and a shirt, which was cool, but um, my kids got those for me. But this ring, <clears throat> uh, it says on a, a Latin phrase, momento more, this is my Father's Day present. Uh, present. If you know what momentum mori means, it it means you could leave this life right now. You could die today. And I wear it on my finger. Because what I need is the shortness of life to be my constant mentor. Because remember what David said. Remind me, Lord, because I forget that how short my life is. I forget that it's the width of my hand. I forget that it's like the fog that rolls in in the morning. And the, I forget that it's like the flowers of the field. They bloom and then they die. I think I have forever. So I'm gonna put it on my hand because I don't, I don't get tattoos, at least not yet in my life. Uh, I may think about that. But at least I could put it on my hand and, 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 and have it speak to me, remind me, teach me, number my days. So that I will see every day as a gift that I could let go of the grievances so that I could live with passion, live with urgency, prioritize the most important things. It's not intuitive to do this. And this is why we just waste our lives. Let me ask you a question. How would your life change if you numbered your days? I know how my life is changing. I I can do better. I know I can do better. But I want to take my time and I wanna use it for the most important things in God's eyes. Not not, not even my eyes, not even your eyes. God, like you, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Remember, remember the prayer series? That's 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 the prayer. God, I'm here to fulfill your will, not my own. So your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are those things? and then I'm gonna get about doing those. Loving my wife, loving my kids, making disciples, furthering the kingdom of God. You don't have to be a pastor to do that stuff. That's just saying, God, I only have so many days, I wanna make them count, and so I'm gonna dedicate my time and the best portions of my day to do exactly what you put me on this planet to do. How how will your life change? Imagine, Imagine what would happen to your marriage if you knew that your life could be over in a week? What would you, how would your marriage change? How would you love your husband? How would you love your spouse? What would you say, what would you do? How would you treat them, him, her? would you, think about your relationship with your kids, how would you change things up? What would you do, what would you say? What would you start? Would there be a business that you started? Would you, who would you forgive today? Like right now, if today was your last day, like who are you calling and say, man, I forgive you. I've been holding a grudge, I'm sorry. That's, that's how your life starts to change when you number your days. We have to let this truth be our constant coach. The shortness of life must teach us how to live life. That's what Moses prayed. So, as we close today, we're gonna to have a song here in a moment. And it's, it's really a song that I, I want some of you to contemplate this question about and just think through, maybe even write some things down or put some things in your phone. This is how my life is gonna change because life is short. And then there's some others of you here during this song. I want you to think about this. You're watching today or you were invited today and here's the truth about you and you know it. You know this about you. You're not right with God. You showed up today, you're watching today, but you don't know him. You've pushed him away from yourself. You wouldn't say that you're a Christian. You're not even sure where you would go when you die. Now, here's what I would say to you, and you know who you are. Now is the time to be made right with God. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year. Right now, because your life is short and you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And if you die without being made right with God, you do not wanna face those consequences, trust me. You wanna make sure that you are right with God. See, here's what what God did for you. God the Father sent his precious, his one and only son to this earth to die on a cross 2,000 years ago. Why did he do that? Because sin separates man and God. Sin separates you from God and something needed to be done about that sin. So Christ comes to earth and he dies on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin and the sin of everyone else's on this earth. Every lie, every murder, every rape, every act of injustice, every act of selfishness is put on Christ on the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we can be made whole. It's called grace, it's called love, it's called forgiveness, it's called salvation. And this is what the apostle Paul said about the gospel, the message I just told you. He says, indeed, the right time is, say it with me, now, a little bit louder, now, the right time is now, not tomorrow, not next month, Not next year to get right with God, the right time to get right with God is now. He says, today is the day of salvation. What does that mean, salvation? It means being made right with God, being saved from the penalty of your sin, being saved from the power of sin in your life. The word means deliverance, deliverance from the penalty of sin. Today is the day for you to be set free from your sin. And you have put it off for whatever reason. And right now God is saying to you, now is the time. Today is the day. So during this song, I want you to think about what I just said to you. I want you to contemplate that. I want you to listen to the words of this song. There's one phrase in the song that says, The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear the message of this song, and then when it's done, I'm going to come back here, up here, and I'm going to invite you to step into a relationship with Christ if you don't already have one. Think about that, contemplate that, and we'll be right back. If you remain standing with me, just say this with me real quick. The time is now. Can you say that? The time is now. A little bit loud, everybody. The time is now. If life is short, that is the message. Do not put things off. Do not waste time. Do not squander it. Do not procrastinate. Do not take the people in your life for granted. And for some of you right now, the time is now for salvation. Today is the day for you to put your trust in Christ. I'm gonna say a simple prayer. All of our campuses, if you're watching online right now, if you feel like this moment is yours where you put your faith in Christ and ask him to forgive you of your sins and wash away all the guilt and all the shame, step into this moment right now, take these words and make them your own. Will you pray with me? This is a prayer God loves to answer. Just reach out in faith, take these words, make them your own. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, that you paid the penalty I could not pay to wash me, to cleanse me of all of my wrongdoing. I embrace your forgiveness today. I reach out in faith today I put my trust in you. Make me your child by faith. And from this day forward, teach me to live for you, to love you, to obey you, and to honor you with my life. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Can we give God glory, church? Come on, nice and loud. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church wants to put a box in your hands. It's a saved box. Uh, it's really our gift from us to you inside this box if you just trusted Christ is a Bible to get you started. There's some instructions on how to get in- involved in the church. There's a, a little mug in here, coffee mug to say thank you and congratulations. If you would text the word SAVE to 65248, we would love to put one of these in the mail and get it to you as soon as possible. One more time, church. Can we give God glory? Amen. Come on, nice and loud. Amen.